Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. I am one of your hosts, Rob Clark, and here, as always, Mr. Ed Katz. Ed, how you doing? I'm having a wonderful, dismal day here in Madison, Mississippi. We had rain and a little bit of sun peeked through, but it's very cloudy again. But I have a ray of sunshine right now because I'm talking to Rob Clark. <laughs> Aren't you funny? <laughs> All right, Ed, we are going to jump into a topic. Everybody can see the title of this episode. It's how to sell your business. And I, and I think, you know, you can get kind of a couple angles. We're going to, you you successful, successfully sold the business, and that's kind of going to be where we get most of this information from. But I think it goes kind of both ways, how to sell. And, you know, obviously some of the information provided today will also kind of give you some ideas on how you might want to approach if you're looking to buy a business, right? I guess so. I hope I give good information. Uh, I, I don't remember a time you didn't, Ed. Oh, Look at me, right? Time. Look at me. <laughs> you ready to jump into this? I am. Okay. So as I just said, you, you successfully sold your moving company about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. So, I mean, there's no doubt that makes you an expert to give this advice to everybody. So... How would you suggest that a seller start that process? You know, if they're, they have a business and, and you know, we, we might be thinking mostly moving because that's kind of where a lot of our listeners are. But again, I think this applies to any business, a lot of what you're going to give us. How do you start that process? Well, can I change something you just said? Because I want to make sure that anybody listening to this podcast knows I, Ed Katz, am not an expert giving advice on how to sell your business. I'm not a CPA. I'm not an attorney. Welcome to America. Here's my disclaimer. (laughs) This is just coffee talk shop. Um, We're having coffee or bourbon. Coffee shop talk, yeah. (laughs) Shop talk. (laughs) And if you need professional advice, see your attorney, talk to your CPA for any type of financial or legal advice. That being said, I have been known not to ever been for a loss of words or advice. So I'll be glad to tell you what I know. How's that? Sounds good. Let's go. So your question is, how does a seller start the process? You know, I think before you do anything, you got to ask yourself for a prospective buyer, they're going to want to know why are you selling your company? You're telling us it's so great. It's so wonderful. And if your answer is something like, oh, I've been working so hard and I made it so successful and we've made so much money, but I am burned out. I have found that that's one of the worst reasons you could give a prospective buyer as to why you are now selling your company. They are going to be suspicious of somebody that says you're, you're burned out. That's not, that's not, my book from what I've talked to other people who bought are, companies. Are you saying that creates fear that they may uh, they may also get burned out? So it's kind of No, it's yeah. just a red flag that that's not the real reason you're selling your business. Uh, okay, okay. You gotta have a real reason like uh, I'm dying or I'm sick or I'm getting divorced or something, you know, or I thought I was gonna pass my business on to my favorite son. And he's decided he doesn't want to take it over. And I'm 65 years old, so I want to retire. That's different than saying I'm burned out. Okay. And I've, it's funny, when I used to go to moving 
mover, moving industry um, conventions, annual conventions, and I talked to people about their exit strategy. And that would come up. And they agreed with me that that's the worst reason you could ever give. You need to have a reason other than I'm just burned out. That's not going to fly. That's a red flag that may turn off a prospective buyer. So that's Ed Katz's two cents right there. <laughs> well, I, I think that makes sense. So, so how do you start the process then? You're not going to say that. What do you say other than what you just uh, mentioned? Is, is that kind of where you start? That's where you start. Okay. That is the starting point. Come up with a really good reason. So the, if you have a good reason, once you've gotten that settled and you, you've, you've determined that, logically, I would think the next step would be, how do, I, how do I know how much I want to sell my business for? Right. So then here's where the CPA and the attorney come in, logically, right? So I didn't know any better. I didn't go to school or take a course on how to sell your business. And there was, I, they didn't have podcasts back in 2000 that I know of when I sold my company. So I went and spoke to my CPA and he says, Ed, you know, you're doing about 4 million a year in local office moving revenue. I wouldn't sell the business for less than $4 million. I said, Oh, gee, that sounds good to me. That's <laughs> I'll, I'll where do I sign? And I asked my attorney who, uh, $450 later came back and, and said, uh, that was his hourly rate, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and back said, then. Yeah. Back then. Right. Yeah. And so he said something similar that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even consider, you know, selling it to anybody that unless you got at least, you know, some fantastically high number. And, um, that's when I learned that you really shouldn't, uh, how can I say this? I don't want to invite litigation and I don't want to slander all attorneys or all CPAs, but think of it this way. Is it possible that the CPA and or your attorney might have another agenda other than wanting you to sell your business? Like, you know, maybe you are a good profitable revenue stream for them. Sure. <laughs> I was thinking conflict of interest, you know, the conflict of interest, like, you know, if I'm a CPA and I'm charging several thousand dollars a year, you know, for doing your books and your accounting and your bookkeeping and all that, I don't want you to sell because I may not be the CPA of the buyer. That's Same right. thing with the, the attorney. So I did learn that, um, if you want to talk to them, that's fine. But to get valuation, information as to what the business is worth. Um, I'm probably jumping ahead, but I would, I would do what I did. And that was seek out a very good business brokerage firm uh, that has a great reputation that uh, can objectively put a number on what the business would probably sell for. How does that sound? That sounds good, but let's explain a little bit. A business broker, it, it's exactly what it sounds. It, 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 it kind of like a headhunter in, in the, the selling and acquiring of businesses. It puts people together, matches them up. Yeah, I think they go under the title of M&A, merger and acquisition, merger and acquisition type companies. I just call them business brokerage firms. And I talked to several before I 
chose the one I did and I learned a little bit about their industry. Um, and if, if you like, I'll, I'll share what I'd learned, what not to do. Would you want me to get, I think our listeners would want to know about maybe how to best, best way to choose and pick a business brokerage firm, or do you think they, Oh, no, no. I think any information you can provide is going to be very helpful. So, you know, things okay. not to do and how to pick a, a good one, a proper one, how to vet them, so to speak, I think is very important, Ed. Okay. Well, it's interesting. So, um, you know, the CPA said $4 million, and that was in the back of my mind. And so I started talking to business brokerage firms, and they would ask me, how much do you want to sell your business for? And I said, well, my CPA said it was worth $4 million, so I'd like to get $4 million. And I had several say, I don't see any problem in asking uh, for $4 million. I think we'll have a, a pretty easy time of getting a $4 million for your business. And they charge like 10%. So that would be a nice big commission for them. So then I thought to myself, wait a second here. This is too good to be true. <laughs> this is too easy. They're going to get this number, $4 million. So just for the heck of it. One of the brokers I interviewed from another brokerage firm, he asked me the same question. How much do you think your business is worth? And I made up another number. I said six million. Oh, yeah. Based on what we see here with your financials and your reputation, you guys have done a great job. We think we can get you six million. So I started realizing there's something else going on here. There's another agenda. And then when I talked to them about their commission, they had this thing called a retainer. And I said, what's a retainer? And they said, well, once we uh, take over the, uh, the job of selling your business, we have to promote it and market it. And so we charge, you know, eight, nine, 10, $12,000 up front. But don't worry about that money because we're going to give it back to you at the end. I said, I don't understand. They said, we're going to charge you this retainer. And with that money, we're going to use it solely to promote your business so we can go on a worldwide search for the best buyer for you. You know, any type of marketing, promotion, advertising comes out of that money. And then when you pay us the 10% commission at the end, we'll subtract that retainer from the total commission. I said, well, okay. And then I started realizing this. Think about this. If I'm a business broker and I get eight or 10 listings a year, hmm, I could do the math. Let's say $10,000 retainer, $10,000 times 10. I don't need a calculator. That's $100,000 of income to me, whether I do anything or not, whether I promote, market, make a sale or not. So I, I thought to myself, um, what if they're just in business just to get retainers? So then that's when I started being a lot more objective as to who was going to represent me uh, for the sale of my business. So does you any of this make sense to you, Rob? Yeah, it does. But what I'm concluding is you actually found out that some of these, we call them brokers, were in business just for the retainers? Yeah. You kind of came to that yeah. conclusion? Yeah, and I really believe that. So I would ask them, you know, are you really successful in um selling businesses all the time. Oh yeah. They all answered that question before I could even finish asking it. We're very successful. You know what it makes me think of, don't you, Ed? Yeah. The last five minutes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. 
And that's a private joke, but we don't give references. When I own my moving company and what I preach is we never gave references. We instead gave the last five moves because it's a more objective way of evaluating your service provider. So anyhow, that aside, so I say, I would bait them and I say, well, are you very, very active? Are you, you're with this big brokerage firm. Do you personally, are you personally selling businesses all the time? All the time. Great. I said, give me the last five companies that you sold with contact information, you know, name of contact and phone number, because I'd like to talk to them. And guess what they would say? Well, it wasn't good, I'm sure. Well, they said it's confidential. Oh, these, confidential I can't give yeah. these names out. I mean, these people don't want their names. And I thought to myself, this is not, this makes no sense at all. So I, I got... I jettisoned the ones that wouldn't give me the last five that they sold. Mind you, now they said they're very active. They're selling them all the time, blah, blah, blah. And I, I didn't waste my time with them. I found a business, a business brokerage firm that had a great reputation. They were certified business intermediator. I can't even say the word certified business intermediaries certified business intermediaries there you go that's who you want to hire for your business broker if you hired one and i wouldn't even waste my time with anyone other than a certified business broker it's an elite group of business brokers there aren't too many of them but they're all over the united states and they're so good at appraising a business that they can actually testify on behalf of a defendant in an IRS uh, dispute. So if the IRS comes in after a death of a principal and the children or the beneficiaries inherit the business and the IRS says, oh, no, 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 this business is worth way more than you're listing. We're going to fine you and we're going to uh, penalize you for undervaluing the value of the business, you could hire a certified business intermediary, a business broker that has these credentials and they can give, they care, they're expert witnesses in court, in a court of law. That's how good they are. And they, and the one that we hired used 18 different variables to come up with what a business was worth. And then they came up with something I have to confess was not even close to the 4 million. It was a very <laughs> nice figure, but you would have never known it was the same company based upon the way they, you know, appraised it. But they said, look, you know, we're not going to play games with you. We're not going to list it for $4 million and then come back a month later and say, well, yeah, but that's when the economy was just booming. And now it's a month later and the market is not as strong. And this is the reason we got to lower the price. I mean, do you want to go down that road? I didn't. We yeah. didn't. So we hired this business brokerage firm and I learned a lot from the experience. And um, but if I'm, anybody, I'm by the way, I'm, the, the metrics for, you know, what it's worth are specific to the market you're in. Right. So they, you know, if you're in Atlanta, well, it's different than New York. It's, it's different than right. Chicago. Yeah. Geographically, it makes a big, you know, has a big impact on what business you're in and, and where the economy is. And, do you have a niche? You know, are you how many you, competitors in that market? How much competition? Have you differentiated yourself? All these yeah. different things. Or are you just a generic commodity selling price? 
Yeah, right? absolutely. So it so, makes me ask the question, Ed, you know, once, once you've decided that, Hey, I found a broker, he's going to be able to help me. We we've agreed on what we think we can get for my business. Uh, now he's going to start doing his part to find me some potential buyers for my company. But that information can, can it become public? If it becomes public, is this a problem? Well, I'm going to sound like a politician. I'm going to say yes and no. And it's interesting. Uh, initially, we really wanted to keep it private because I could just see my competitors going out and as part of their sales presentation to sell against my moving company, Peachtree Movers, say, yeah, right now Ed Katz is still running the company. But what happens by the time you do your move, if Ed Katz has sold the business, sold the company, and he's gone. Now, what kind of service are you going to render? So I thought to myself, we've got to keep this secret. So we didn't tell our, initially, we didn't tell anybody we were selling our business. And let's get back to the business brokerage firm just for a second. The, the business broker I chose, and by the way, Ed Katz, let me give you my phone number just in case you don't have it already, but 404-358-2172, or Ed Katz, E-D-K-A-T-Z, at office, O-F-F-I-C-E, moves, M-O-V-E-S, dot com. So... One of the things that if you ever want to call me and you can tell I'm not never at a loss for words, I'll be glad to help you pick or find a business broker that might be able to help you. Uh, you know, why not? So feel free to give me a call or email me. But in the meantime, we found the business broker that exercised what they called tough love. They represented sellers, not buyers. And I said, what do you mean by that? Well, they said, we exercise tough love. There are a lot of tire kickers out there, tire kickers. They would like to buy your business for nothing. So they go to the business broker and they say, we want to buy a $20 million company. And they go and they look and they say, here, we'll, we'll take over your debt. We'll take over your debt and give you a dollar for your business. You know, they're just totally unrealistic and they waste your time. And what I learned was if you think showing your house and having your house ready for sale is a very arduous task, you know, every time somebody wants to see your house, you know, your house has to be in mint condition and you have to got to leave for a couple of hours. That's right. You have to, well, yeah, or you spend time with them. It's the same thing when you sell your business. So this business brokerage firm that we found, use filters before they would even divulge the name of our company. So they didn't even, they didn't even say it's a moving company. They didn't even say, you know, what industry we were in. They just said, we have a business for sale. It does 4 million in revenue. Here's their net before profit. Here's their earnings before interest and taxes and depreciation, all these things. And they would describe the business and then tough love. They would, say to the prospective buyers, we want to see your income tax statements for the last two years and see a, a balance sheet as to how much money you have to buy a business before we even tell you what industry this company is in. How do you like that? So they had these filters and it drove away a lot of, there are these investment 
syndications or syndicates that are groups of investors and they they're bullies. They're bullies. They, you know, send us your financials and we'll decide if we're going to even consider your company. You know, you don't want to. It kind of sounds like qualifying. You have to qualify to. Yeah, they had qualified buyers. Interestingly enough, we only had four prospective buyers ever come to our company. Only four, but the four that came had the wherewithal to buy the company and to run the company and be successful with it. And that was wonderful because we spent time with all four prospective buyers. We did have conversations with them with, of course, the business broker was there. But anyhow, we were afraid that if our employees found out they would quit, they'd have low morale. And we were afraid that once it hit the street that Peachtree Movers was for sale, we were we were afraid that our competitors would use it against us. So we kept it, our cards close to our vests. And of course, any prospective buyer, once they found out who we were, obviously signed a non-disclosure. So we kept it below the radar screen. However, once we were close to making a deal, and I think we were, I think we listed it. I think we listed uh, the company in June and by September we had a contract and that's when they do due diligence. They come in with their attorneys and their CPAs, the buyer does to validate and verify that everything you've said really is backed up with the financials and, you know, the customers you say are your customers or your customers are your customers. But anyhow, at that point we told our employees that we were planning to sell the company. And I'll tell you, it was sad. We had we had supervisors and movers actually cry. I mean, really cry that they were scared. Like, what what does this mean? And so, what I said was this: Look, Mister and Mrs. Katz, that would be my ex-wife to be, and Ed, who was we were getting divorced. That was our reason for selling. We had a great reason for selling, right? <laughs> we took and grew the company as far and as much as we could, but we're going to sell it to a buyer who's far better at management and has way more money than we do. And they're going to be able to grow the business and make it even more successful, which means here comes the WIIFM. What's in it for me. And when they grow the business and increase the number of trucks and Uh, revenue and customers, that means more opportunity for all of you. And I have to tell you this, um, except for one or two people in the front office, they kept and wanted to keep all the employees that we had, all of our supervisors and drivers and foremen and helpers, uh, except for one supervisor who died, all the supervisors that we had before still working at Peachtree Movers. This is 22 years later, can you believe? Wow. So, I mean, it, and they're, they're good people who bought the company. I, but do, that have was a, I do have a question mm-hmm. for you, though, Ed. Sure. As you talked about, and you said you had four very qualified buyers, potential buyers come through. You obviously settled on one. Right. Um, was it the the business brokers who kind of, you know, finished the qualifying process and kind of made a, a you know, a, a reference to you as to which one he thought, you know, a recommendation of who should buy it? Or did you have some input as to who was buying your company well first of all we made sure it was an all cash deal that we we got 100 percent cash upon closing we were not going to be the banker we were not going to finance it that was sure. number one 
And then number two was that we would keep the difference between the receivables and the payables. So our payables were always current. So we had very few payables and we had, because we build everything we did, think about it, office moving doesn't collect the check, at, you know, when you deliver the last piece of furniture, we build, I mean, you're not gonna get a check from the Hellfire Missile Division of Rockwell International or Travelers or General Electric or any of these Fortune 500 companies. So we build, we had a lot of receivables and we collected all those receivables after the sale. So we got what they paid for the business, plus we got to keep the net difference between the receivables and the payables, which were, as far as I'm concerned, almost negligible. So we, we just went with the highest bidder. We The, the okay. business broker didn't have to say, well, we'd like this one better than that one. It was a no-brainer. One was significantly higher than all the other ones. Well, let me ask you this question. Um, kind of going back a little bit into this process, you know, I don't think somebody who owns a business wakes up one morning and just goes, you know what, today's the day I've just decided I'm selling. I think this is something that when you've made that decision, it's, I don't know what the timetable would be, Ed, but I'm, I would say six months would be very short amount of time. I would guess it's more than that, a year, two years, something like that. And I would think you probably want to do something in that time from when you've made the decision to sell your company to when you actually engage and start that process to try to enhance the value as much as you can of your, of your company. Is that something you think about as a, Boy, that is such a, that's a great question. So in other words, if I knew that I planned to sell my company, what would I do to enhance the value? Okay. I didn't have that luxury. My partner of 19 years, um, who was my wife walked into my office one day and said, I want a divorce. <laughs> so, um, that, and I had started the company, you know, we, I, we, I was, I started it in 1996 and we sold it in 2000. So I was there for the full 24 years. So 76, 1976. Yeah, 1976 is when I started. What did I say? 96. I was like, wait, it was more than oh, four years. Oh, no, gee whiz. Boy, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a senior moment for you. Thank you for listening. Anyhow, I, I started it in 1976. We sold it in 2000, 24 years. But anyhow, we didn't have planned to change anything, but thank God I, over the years, for my own peace of mind and sanity had actually created and built what I call an infrastructure, infrastructure that whether I was there or not, every employee followed very rigid procedures. We had a, a structure that whether Ed Katz was in town or out of town, and I traveled a lot. And uh, so at, at, in the bad old days, before I had a procedure for everything, you know, I'd go away for two or three days and come back. And except for the logo that was on the side of the trucks, everything else changed. I mean, they figured it out themselves. But we came up with written procedures for how to do a move to minimize the risk of damage to what you're moving and the buildings you're moving from and to, and how to estimate accurately. And that EdCast didn't have to bless every estimate because we had a really great proprietary formula for estimating, which of course is what I teach to the moving industry 
to this day that's based on man hours, not on Cuban pounds. But that aside, we had procedures for everything to minimize the risk of injury on the job. And they followed it. So it's interesting you bring this up because I didn't have time to start increasing the value of our, of our business. We needed to sell. We were getting, we were on a fast track to get divorced. And um, we had to sell the business and split the proceeds as soon as we could. And, and it's interesting that, that you bring this question up because the buyer was the former senior vice president of FedEx. He ran a $750 million logistics division, logistics division for FedEx. And he was very sophisticated. <laughs> and he said to me after we did, did our deal, he said, you know, he said, Ed, I looked over more than a year at hundreds of companies to buy. He said, I, I, I did my, my time. I served my time at FedEx, but I wanted my own business and I wanted to have more control over my destiny. So he said, I wanted my own company. And I looked at over a hundred companies and he said, except for your company, I realized that if I bought another company in another industry, that after I bought the company, the employees would probably quit, you know, leave, and then I'd lose the customers. And all that I would have for my investment would be the hard assets. And I could buy the hard assets for a hell of a lot less than what I'm paying for the value of the goodwill of the business that I'm going to lose after the employees quit and I lose the customers. He said, your company was the only one that had an infrastructure. He said, you have a procedure for everything. This business is not between your ears. In other words, we don't need you. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, I, I mean, what, I'm, I'm Ed Katz. What, who, do you, who are you talking to here? I, of course you need me. I didn't, I didn't say that to him, but I was thinking that to myself. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I had taken my ego out of my back pocket and was wearing my ego on my wrist when he said that. I'm sure he, he saw he got a rise out of me. But in terms of increasing the value of your business before you want to sell it, you need to ask yourself a question, prospective sellers out there. If a prospective buyer thinks that you are it, that everything that you do is between your ears, that, that there are not procedures for anything that are followed by all the employees, why would they want to buy your company? Because once you're gone, they're going to lose everything, right? Yeah, it makes, so, it makes perfect sense. It does. It does. You know, I've heard a lot of times, Ed, and tell me what your thoughts on this and, and tell me if it happened to you. Um, a lot of times you'll see a company get sold and the Ed Katz of that particular company will be asked to stay on for a period of time to help in that transition, to, to get that next owner up and running, if you will. Yeah. Well, um, you're living in that example right now. Sadath bought the Daryl Flood Company and, and the people that sold are going to be on for years. I mean, every comp every deal is negotiable. Every deal is different. In my case, I agreed to stay on for a month for free after the sale of the business. <laughs> you talk about, uh, I had delusions of grandeur because I thought he's probably going to ask me to stay on after that month for even longer and probably pay me something because I'm Ed Katz. I mean, I'm, I started this company, right? <laughs> but you Wendy, had I taught him my uh, in-person office moving seminar, and he 
you know, he's, he, he was from a totally different industry, you know, a courier company. But anyhow, I was there for a week after I taught him the seminar. We, you know, we, we had closing, he paid all the money and I stayed on for, I was going to stay on for the month and probably I thought in my mind longer. A week after I was there, he called me aside. He said, Ed, I'll tell you something. You taught me this, you know, your, your seminar. I'm a former manager. That's who I was. And um, he said, I got it. I said, great. He said, no, you don't understand it. I don't need you anymore. Unless you want to <laughs> hang around here. I don't need you. I, I was blindsided. I How, couldn't believe it. He, did he you, not know he was talking to Ed Katz, founder and former president of Peachtree Movers, the self-proclaimed, self-ordained minister of office moving? I, I, I couldn't believe it. Anyhow, he was right. The company is still in business today. This is 2022. They're very successful. They do a great job. And um, what can I tell you? I mean, he was a professional manager. And I guess he had the tools, thanks to our infrastructure, that he needed to run a very successful business. Well, here, here's another question for you. You, you mentioned something early on. Uh, that your deal was an all-cash deal. What's your opinion on somebody has a buyer, but they want the owner to finance for them to be the bank? Do you have an opinion on that? Um, I think the market has changed since I sold my company. I don't know if this guy gave me a dollars of his own cash or if he made a loan from the bank and augmented that loan with his cash. I don't know. What the all I know is I got a check for what I sold it for, and I understand today that if somebody buys a business, the bank wants the seller to have skin in the game, and they want them to have skin in the game by having what's called a payout. In other words, where I had an all cash deal up front, the bank wants this the seller to get his or her money over a period of months or years. Does that make sense? So they have skin in the game of making sure the business stays and runs successfully that they don't want a hundred percent of cash at closing. I did not so know that. I did not know that either, but um, I was talking to a business broker last week about a client of mine that needs some help uh, selling his company. And he said, let me tell you something yet. The market's really changed that banks have become very, very sophisticated, especially uh, it's very it's easy to get an SBA loan because banks love SBA loans because like 80 percent of the loan is guaranteed by the federal government. And so they love SBA loans. And so what happens is the I guess maybe the federal government's uh, you know, influences involved, but they apparently from what this broker told me that they want the sellers to be on the hook and not get their payout at closing. They, they want to make sure that they have a vested interest in this business, staying uh, viable, successful after the, after the deal. I'm going to tell you that confuses me then, because if you're trying to get out of the business, uh, you're, you're still in the business. I mean, you've got to have yeah, well, some, some uh, authority to make sure things continue to run the way they're supposed to. Yeah. 
That's right. And you have no control. You have no authority over how the buyer is going to run the business. Correct. Yeah. So if he fails and that kind of gets back. If he fails, that's right. If he fails, you fail. Yeah. where, Where that's why I got back to the question I asked you earlier about, did you have some say in who was potentially buying your company because you said highest price but you might have had a highest price maybe somebody who was 10 percent less but you you felt in talking to those those buyers that they understand it they get it i think in the long run they're going to be more successful right but see because mine was 100 percent cash you didn't closing, care i didn't care so yeah. i had a bad attitude but, in but the, today but today it would be if, if I'm correct, if this business broker is correct, I'd be very concerned about who I was selling my yeah. business to, wouldn't I? Yeah. And you know something else I learned? We had one other company from the moving industry look at us. And what I found, you would think logically, well, the best prospect to buy a moving company would be a competitor from the industry, from within the industry. And that was the one that was the low ball bid on our business. We, we listed it for X number of dollars, but um, that was the, the bid that was significantly lower than the other people that were interested because they were doing us a favor. They were going to assume our debt and give us a token amount of money at closing. And we thought that was an easy no. Yeah. But I've talked to other companies that, that sell and you would logically think that somebody within your industry is the best prospective buyer. But in the long run, here's a guy that knew he didn't even know he was looking at a moving company until he went through the filters of the business brokerage firm. And he was open. He was open to I'm, this. Is, I'm looking for a business that, meets these requirements and we fit the bill and he look how well he did in buying something in a different industry. Yeah. 22 years later, still, still running very well. Very well. Yeah. So what are, what are some last uh, bits of advice, maybe some bullet points of just kind of recapping what we covered of the kind of some of your do's and don'ts when uh, trying to sell your business? Well, again, every situation is unique and I, I'm 77 years old and lonely and bored and I need purpose <laughs> in life. So give me, give grandpa Eddie here a call. If you want some free advice now, I don't know. It, the market is dynamic. Every, everything is changing, but try to get as much cash up front as you possibly can. If you, I would urge you to hire a business broker and not try to sell it yourself because you're working full time running your business. If you're a seller, and you don't have time to also be the business broker and do the filters and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this, it's a no brainer to me. Um, whatever the, and that means not, is, that means not going to your CPA or attorney either. And yeah. Well, I, yeah, again, for, for the reasons I said, if, unless you have, uh, somebody that's also a business broker that can be objective, I, 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 I would urge them to take the advice really take value the the advice of somebody that specializes in M&As and, and, and selling businesses as opposed to uh, an attorney or um, a CPA in, in this type of, you know, situation. And my goodness gracious, make sure you don't hire a brokerage firm, business brokerage firm that's in it just for the retainer, that, you know, the retainers they get from all their clients because, you know, that, that'd be a nice way of making a living. And I, I, 
I was, thank God, able to discern which ones were really genuine, you know, in terms of um, being able to be successful in listing and selling the business versus those that were maybe in it more for the retainers. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Well, Ed, man, as always, another fun conversation. I, I enjoyed this. Well, thanks for letting me flap my jaw. I hope I gave some <laughs> good information. I mean, it's, you know, uh, can you imagine on top of selling the business, going through a, the, 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 the divorce from hell? That's what my attorneys called it. <laughs> of course, I was perfect. It was the other player that was. Uh, yeah, you're, I mean, I see your. I see your wings right now. I can tell you're yeah, my an angel. angel. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine, though, the trauma of going through a divorce and trying to sell your company at the same time? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't recommend that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. That that would be the, the least favorite reason, even though it's valid, but the least favorite for selling a business, going through a right. divorce. Well, yeah. thanks for having me speak and present, and I love this. And if anybody has any other ideas for any other topics that I might have some experience with, I'd love to entertain them and they got your phone number to call you to chat a little bit more about this topic right yep all right everybody thank you for listening to this episode of the commercial relocation happy hour and until our next episode go sell another move <laughs>